0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Superhero Ethics Podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm one of your hosts. Uh, And this week, I'm joined by Becky Allen. Uh, Becky is yet another of the great people who I met at WISCON, the conference here in Madison where I live, a couple of months ago. Um, And Becky's going to be joining us for a conversation today about Star Wars and the hero's journey. Um, So, Becky, um, say hello. How are you doing?
1: Hey, um, I'm doing well. Um, I, as... Uh, Matthew just said my name is Becky Allen Um, I am a writer of young adult fantasy Um, my first book Bound by Blood and Sand is out now Uh, and the sequel will be out in December
0: awesome cool and uh, there'll be for anyone who wants it there'll be more information at the end and also links in our podcast notes about uh, how to find Becky and her writings and especially those books um, and, and Becky, I'm really glad you could join us today because um, I got to hear you on a couple of panels at WISCON, um, some that I know you had planned and at least one that you kind of got um, uh, drafted onto at the last minute. Um, but I, I really loved your perspectives and especially um, I love that you're really excited about Star Wars, a topic that's um, very dear to my heart and one I've, I've wanted us to explore on this podcast more. Um, and also I know you had a lot of thoughts about the hero's journey and the the, the especially the problems with that that uh motif that we often use for discussing star wars so uh i'm really excited we can dive into that today and let's just start right there um and first of all i should just say for anyone who uh, hasn't seen all of them yet we will probably have spoilers for every star wars movie ever made most of the tv shows um pretty much anything we're going to talk about we will probably have spoilers for so you've been warned um so let's just start though to give some background um for anyone who hasn't uh read up on it or seen the joseph campbell uh uh, thing with bill moyers or are like What what is the hero's journey? What do we mean when we talk about that?
1: Okay, so the hero's journey um, was a phrase that I believe was coined by John Campbell, um, who was sort of had been looking at mythology and folklore and stories and picking out really common threads to put together the sort of like uber myth. Here is here is what happens in every story, right? Um, And so it's got some really like well defined steps to it that um, if you look at them are going to feel really familiar if you've ever watched a movie or (laughs) read a book um, or really experienced almost any kind of Western storytelling. Um, But it sort of, it starts off, um, I'm not going to go through all the stages, there are books about this and many, many, (laughs) many articles online, but basically starts off with your hero in an ordinary world and then something happens and your hero has to go uh, jump into a more extraordinary world uh, and has some trials and tribulations, and makes some friends, and then something really bad happens. Uh, but after that bad thing happens, the hero sort of figures out how to do better and jumps into the climax, and then there's a climax of the story, and then at the end, the hero is victorious. Right.
0: Um, it's like the five-second version. <laughs> <laughs> there's almost always a mentor who dies. There's just a lot of the sort of things we now see of almost as cliche all come from this, or, or, or all fit into this trope.
1: And the reason people talk about it a lot with regard to Star Wars is because Star Wars is beat for beat, 100 percent following this journey. Yes. Um, you, you start off with Luke in his ordinary world thinking, well, maybe I want to do something else. And then uh, there's a call to adventure where he you know meets some droids and he finds out that he needs to go talk to Obi-Wan. But then when Obi-Wan says, you should come with me, he can't he brings bring himself to until he realizes that his ordinary world has been destroyed uh, with the death of his aunt and uncle. And he has to go join the rebellion. And then again, he meets some people and there are some adventures and some things go wrong. Uh, but right at that moment in the middle of triumph, when they're about to escape, Obi-Wan gets killed, which is where, you know, he bottoms out the ordeal is in uh, Hero's journey terms. Right. And it looks like everything is terrible. Uh, but it turns out they did get the plans they needed, and they are able to uh, start, you know, the climax, and then Luke has a moment of synthesis near the end where he realizes he can take Obi-Wan's teachings and uh, turn off the targeting system and just use the Force to to uh, reach out, and I'm—he <laughs> <gets laughs> <laughs> forgot the entire English language there. No uh, problem. He can use the— he can use the force to successfully uh, target the Death Star and blow it up, and he wins, and at the end he is a hero, and things are looking pretty good. Right. Um, so that is, that is it hits every single hero's journey beat very exactly, um, which is probably part of why it's a story that resonates so much, but because it's a story that hits all of those beats, it sort of used as a way um, when people talk about story structure and the hero's journey, they often point to Star Wars because almost everyone has seen it and can go, oh, okay, so farm boy, adventure, sad thing,
0: victory. Joseph Campbell, the guy who wrote it, I mean, he he very explicitly named that fact. There's a... um. Uh, I mentioned briefly, but there's a documentary where um, Bill Moyers is interviewing him, um, and they very explicitly walk through the Star Wars story and show how much it is beat for beat that hero's journey. So the, the linkage here is, is a very strong one, um, and and so I what what I, I think it's it just sort of now kind of taken for granted, like that that is the the way we are, Star Wars is the hero's journey, the hero's journey is Star Wars, and and generally these are seen as as you know okay that th- this is a good storytelling trope. Um, what, why, what's problematic about this? Where, where do we see some, some issues around this being such a dominant, um, kind of a story idea and, and especially in Star Wars itself?
1: Um, okay. So I'm actually, I'm going to take it to the real world a little bit and sort of why I was thinking about when you emailed me. Yeah. Um, so basically what happened was like the day after the election, um, I took a mental health day from work, and so did my best friend, and I suspect so did many, many people. Um, And she and I were sort of sitting together, crying, and I kept, I told her, like, I was feeling like what I really wanted was for Superman to show up and save the day and say, not only am I, can I, you know, beat up the bad guy if need be, but I also am a reporter, and here's the list of all the illegal (laughs) things he's done, and it's proved, and this is, you know, the election is canceled, and the day is saved. Right. Because um, that that was what I desperately wanted. And I re- and it was oddly specific to, I want a Superman like, a character like Superman, or a character like Captain America, or someone who is a hero who is going to swoop in and save the day. Um, because that's a really powerful story, and it's sort of the story that we see reflected everywhere, is the story of Something has gone bad, and a hero figures it out and comes to the forefront and saves the world. And, like, I love genre fiction. I grew up on Star Wars. I grew up reading, you know, epic fantasy. Um, like, that's, that's the narrative that my brain has been trained to accept and to look for, and when things are going really poorly, to sort of look around and say, who's the hero who's going to step up? Right. The problem is that there is... There is no one hero who's going to do that right now. Like the world is in pretty bad shape and a lot of bad things are happening and we are not really in a place where a singular person is going to put their foot down and put a stop to the madness and say here is here is the proof and this is how we're going to go forward and everything is fixed now. Um and it was kind of emotionally <laughs> really hard for me to accept that like that's not going to happen. We don't live in a narrative that makes sense like that. So what do we do? Right. Um, and that's why I was thinking about about the hero's journey um, and how by seeing that over and over through our lives, we kind of expect that to be what happens. And it's not.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I definitely, when when you suggested the topic, you told me briefly that story. And I'm, I'm really glad you got to expand on it. And I, I really resonated with it because I think, for me, one of the things that I find most problematic, when and, and I should be honest, I mean, I grew up. Like you, like absolutely, totally immersed in this in this world. My mother used to joke when I was a kid that she never needed a babysitter for me if she was going to be gone for less than two hours, because if she just put Star Wars in the Betamax, I was not getting in any trouble as a kid. Um, <laughs> but but I, I as I grew older and the more I looked at it, the more I ex- uh, really explored this idea of the hero's journey. You know, because one of the things that is so necessary, I think, to the hero's journey is that there has to be people for the hero to rescue. And those people are almost always completely disempowered, you know, that they are not... The, the hero has to be rescuing people, and so if we are looking for a hero, it means we're being taught we can't rescue ourselves. We can't solve it ourselves. We need someone else who is more powerful, who is stronger, who is better, who has the superpower or the lightsaber that we don't have who can come along and rescue us. Right, um, we
1: need a chosen one.
0: Yes, exactly, because we are not the chosen one.
1: Yeah, ex- exactly, and I think... I mean, one of the other things that I've sort of seen um, or and felt in the last few months was looking around and wondering, like, sort of who is the chosen one who's going to do this and wanting that so much that, like, when Obama would give a speech uh, right before the inauguration, feeling like, is this going to be the moment when he saves the world? Yeah. and it was not, and then uh, when there were events like uh, the Comey testimony feeling like, is this it? <laughs> is it now? And it's not, because it's not how real life works. There actually aren't really chosen ones out there. Um, and like there are people who are very effective, and there are people who have a lot of power, but it doesn't come, necess- as far as I know, it doesn't come from a, a mystical force, and no one is preordained to be the one who saves the world, which on the one hand, it's a bummer because I would really like for someone to save the world. But on the other hand, the the flip side of realizing that is like, well, then why can't it be me? Like, yeah, I can I can do the work that I can do. Like, I can try and get involved. So maybe, maybe it's time for me to step up because I'm not I'm not any less chosen than anyone else.
0: Yeah, I, I mean this, this is um gonna be a diversion, but um I, I assume you're a uh, have you seen most of Buffy?
1: Um, I've seen bits and pieces of Buffy. It was actually, I know I know it's surprising, but it was not really <laughs> resonated for me Um, the way I know it did for a lot of people, but I'm relatively familiar with it overall.
0: No, I understand that. and I, I, It's just a brief digression, but one of the things that I, I, I love a lot of parts of that show. I have a lot of problems with it, like other people. But, um, and ap- apologies here, this is going to be major spoilers for the last episode of the last season. But one of the things that I, I like about it is, throughout the entire show, there is this motif of Buffy as the chosen one and that there has been this long history of people being the chosen one. And that the sort of last major thing they do is to say, why can there be only one chosen one? And can we sort of awaken the potential for many, many people to be the chosen one? Um, And it's still problematic because it's still like that, you know, about 10% of the population is chosen one instead of everyone. But it's still an interesting sort of twist on this of saying, how can we get past this idea of looking for that one perfect individual and instead say, how can we all be a part of our own rescuing?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, and the, the other thing that it makes me think of, um, I think you are are right about that as sort of one of the paths forward and way to counter it. Um, but I also think if you're talking about Chosen Ones, you also have to talk about um, – at Chosen Ones in Star Wars, you also have to talk about Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. Who, was also a chosen one, and look how that turned out.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, he's the one who brings balance to the force. That's not necessarily a good thing, it turns out.
1: Yeah, so, like, what, if your chosen one is not... <laughs> if your chosen one doesn't care about the things that you care about, um, yeah. or if your chosen one, you know, protects their own power, or if your chosen one is just not... is somebody who cares only about ends and not means, um you can still end up in a really bad situation like that that to a certain extent is fascism like you've got the one person who is in charge and maybe that person was the chosen one or the hero but maybe that's not the best system and having this one person in charge is a bad thing but you're kind of stuck with it um in fiction in real life hopefully you know we can we can do something about that right um but yeah so you have having a chosen one doesn't mean that that person is always going to make good choices or do the right thing or do things you agree with and you can end up in an equally terrible situation and maybe looking for the next chosen one or that that guy's son might not always be the best solution
0: yeah i I think that's a great point especially because for me one of the real problems with this whole idea of the hero's journey is that now every other character doesn't get to have their own story but instead they are a plot point for the hero's story. You know, Obi-Wan's death is there or and and Dumbledore's death is another great example of that from Harry Potter or any of these things. Those things happen to advance the hero's journey. You know, Han Solo, um one of my personal favorite characters in the in, in the series. Um uh, although I really hope we don't get his prequel movie, but that's that's another story entirely. Um but you know, his in a lot of ways in that first movie he he is the character who has one of the largest, like, moral arcs. But his moral arc isn't the focus of the story. It's the the thing that, like, you know, the hero has inspired him, and so now he gets to have his moment in the sun for the purpose of helping the hero to do the thing the hero needs to do. Um, Is, is that something you take away from the hero's journey as well, like this problematic way that the yeah. other characters get treated?
1: Well, I think, I mean, for that, I think it actually also gets a little bit into... um issues of representation like when we talk about the hero's journey you picture luke skywalker luke skywalker is a white presumed straight dude although i i don't always make that presumption but like (laughs) you can read luke skywalker however you want to um but when you think about heroes in this culture you think about straight white dudes because they're the ones whose story gets told and whose story gets presented as heroic
0: right um
1: And so, like, for me, Star Wars was incredibly important to me um, growing up. Uh, I don't know if you were at WISCON, not uh, the year before this one. I was actually on a panel about Rey, um, her entire existence. Yes. And while she is also, um, I I think she will probably end up having a very Hero's Journey-esque story arc, which is, you know, we're only a third into, but she seems to be a bit of a chosen one there. Uh Uh-huh. her very existence like made me cry, and so I was on this panel crying with four other women who were also crying, and a packed room full of mostly but not entirely women, most of whom were also crying, um, just because having that story center around a female character so, it is still relatively rare and is so powerful and so important, especially with something like Star Wars, which so many of the people who were in that room grew up on. Right. And I think, I mean, I I say that with the caveat that I think is really important, which is that Ray feels representative for me. She still does not feel representative for a lot of people. Um, Women of color in particular do not see themselves reflected in that journey very often. Um, Significantly less so than white women who, you know, significantly less so than white men. So there is still work to do and room to grow there, but like knowing how powerful that was for me um -hmm. like i I think that speaks to a weakness of the hero's journey which at least in this culture which is still pretty overwhelmingly racist and sexist is that not that many people get to see themselves as the chosen one
0: yeah i I think that's a great point i should say uh, i was not in that panel but i was in at that wiscon and that panel actually like live tweeting the responses to that panel was a big part of what birthed this podcast um so i i i, I i'm very glad that you were a part of that um and i've, I've talked i've used the um and I'll, I'll repost it actually in the notes to this there's a fantastic um uh thing someone someone uh put together like a slideshow with um pictures and and tweets from that um panel of how powerful it was. And it's something I've used often as an example of, like, why this representation stuff matters. Because I, I think one of the, the real problems of the hero's journey is when the only time you can see yourself represented is not as the hero but as the sidekick, as, as the person who has to, you know, the, the ma- all the problems with the magic negro idea of you only get to be the person who dies so the hero can have their journey. Or you get to be the fun sidekick who says some cool lines and, and helps but still doesn't get to be the hero themselves.
1: Or you get to be the super-competent woman who trains the hero but does not herself get to be the hero for some reason. Right. Or the super-competent person of color who trains the hero but does not get to be the hero for some reason. Or the queer-coded Disney villain. um, (laughs) Yeah. uh, Where there are not other queer characters. and Like, I'm thinking of the the Disney cartoons. Uh Uh-huh. So many of the villains in them are queer-coded and you don't have other queer characters or queer coded characters and so that's a place where um i guess, this is from from reading and from following a lot of people who've said it more so than from myself but a lot of people who identify with ursula for example because oh yeah she is amazing and there's no one else like her in disney movies anywhere
0: yeah I I think that's a great point, and I know um I, I, there has been some great writing I've seen about the the that specifically around queer issues, uh, especially in Disney. For myself, most recently, um the, the one that I'm really aware of and really sensitive to, is the way that we have now made mental illness the reason for villains, uh, especially in comic book stuff. Um, you know, PTSD or other kind of mental illnesses now become the justification for evil. Um, in ways that are also really problematic. Um. Well, and and so let me let me keep taking off on that because I think it um I I like that we're not just talking about just throwing out the baby with the bathwater and saying like you know the hero's journey like it, it wouldn't be terrible if we still had some hero's journey stories but had some non traditional heroes in them um but clearly there's something more I mean like to your mind if we had a world where there were we had all the movies were hero's journey but we had every different kind of person got to be the hero. Is that enough, or do we still need to go deeper in terms of breaking down the hero's journey idea itself?
1: Um, I think we still need to go deeper. I think, I mean, I think that would be incredible, and I wish we lived in that world, yeah. um, because I, I don't think that the hero's journey is inherently a bad thing. I, mm. I think it is a value-neutral thing. Um, I think only having straight, white, cis, um, allosexual men yeah. as the hero, that's a bad. Yeah. Um, But having like the hero's journey works as a story because it brings together like structural elements that make for a really powerful journey. You see somebody just starting out, you see them grow, you see them succeed, you see them fail, you see them work harder and overcome issues and eventually really earn their success. And that is a really powerful story. Um, and that's why we tell
0: and, it over and, and over and over and over. And that's one that does resonate to, to real life. Yeah. I mean, in, in more metaphorical than literal terms, but I mean, the, the, we, a lot of people can, can resonate with a hero's journey on some level, at least.
1: Yeah. Um, and so I think the hero's journey itself is, is sort of value neutral, but I think that it, what it lacks is, um, community or that ch- it's like we talked about that, you know, other people don't necessarily get to be the hero, but, uh, what you were pointing out earlier is that if there is a chosen one, then everyone else is by default not chosen. And so we're still sort of in that pattern of waiting for a hero to save the world. Whereas in real life, I think what we are seeing now politically and what I'm sure people who were much more aware than I was um, previously have known for a very, very long time is that it's really, it's community that can drive change and be important. Um, And, save the world and it's community that can save people and it's community that's my feeling at this point is that it will be community that saves the world or nothing's going to pretty much. I don't think anyone can do it on their own, but it's really hard to have a hero's journey movie. That's about a community and you can have an ensemble. And I know we're going to get to that a little bit, but I I think that telling stories that specifically, call out one person or a very small group of people as the, these are the people who do the thing and who make, you know, who make the changes and save the world, disempowers everyone else and it doesn't give credit to the importance of movements. Um,
0: yeah, and, and I think that's a great point, especially as you say, I mean, there, there is an element to which I, I, I am someone who loves TV shows and movies and, 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 and books and, and, and I understand sometimes the stuff that works in real life doesn't make for great drama. I mean, I, I I love the movie Civil War. I have a lot of problems with it. There's a part of me that kind of, and I think someone one of my earlier guests made this point. And I'm I'm just echoing it. But you know, the, the best version of Civil War, to my mind, would basically be two hours of bureaucratic negotiations over how the Sokovia Accords should look. Um, that that's not going to be a good movie for anybody but bureaucratic nerds like myself. <laughs> I get that. Um, and and in a similar kind of vein, I think, um, I I I understand why. You know people want to have the dramatic you know that one dramatic moment, that one dramatic person who comes along and saves things but i I think, as you said, the problem with the, at least as I see it with the hero's journey is that because it is so much the dominant story we get that that it 's all we learn um, and I know you mentioned the the idea of the kind of the great man of history uh thing yeah. that we look to right now, and I, I want you to say more on that because I think that's a great example of. The, the kind of problem, I guess, to me, the me, the problem of the hero's journey isn't. I agree with you; it's value neutral. I'm interested in what are the lessons we learn from watching so many heroes' journeys, and how is that problematic? Um, so, in that vein, can you say more about the the great man of history idea. So, so, so
1: the the great man theory um, is. I don't think it's really embraced by anyone anymore, but it, at least not often. But it's still kind of taught by default um, because it's really hard to structure a history class around um, sort of everyday people and that sort of mass community movement. Um, but it basically says that history is the product of what great men do,
0: right. and so and, you and always and, men,
1: always men. Um, and there was a specific quote about it that I do not have in front of me, so I do not remember who said it or the exact wording, so not very helpful. Um, but it basically came down to, here is a list of, you know, 12 great men through history and how they shaped the world. And it included Alexander the Great, for example, and Napoleon. And those, they were certainly influential men, um, but it looked at what they did to the exclusion of looking at the society that they came out of. Right. Um, and so that, like, I feel like right now we are kind of – we're living in a moment where I, I hope that does not happen, but like to me that would be like 200 years from now, people looking back and saying, well, Trump was terrible, and that being the full statement. As right. opposed to let's look at Congress and what's happening there, and let's look at the um, white nationalism and racism and white supremacy that gave rise to a candidate like Trump and not looking at the actual social factors that have led to this. I, and so I just think that, like, when I when I think about that, you know, the idea of, like, the great man theory, I think, well, because we want to talk about the hero's journey, and we want to look at these men and say, here are the, here's how their lives went, here are the amazing things they did, and here's the impact that it had on everyone. But nobody lives in a vacuum, so we're telling a hero's journey about these historical figures, but we're not looking at why why they were able to come to power, or the or the ramifications of what they did on quote-unquote normal people Um, and I think that it's missing a lot but by framing history through the lens of specific heroes like we're training ourselves to look at history and the world around us as being a series of heroes and not about the actual billions of people who are making up the planet.
0: Exactly. And I, I, I think that's I, I agree with you that I think, like, in terms of academic study of history, we're moving away from that. But, you know, I mean, in just a couple of weeks, the new great biopic is coming out, Churchill. And, you know, yes, Winston Churchill was a wonderful guy in a lot of ways and a terrible guy in a lot of ways and was an essential part of the defeat of Hitler. But I am I would bet quite a lot of money that a person who doesn't know much history could walk out of that movie basically knowing that Winston Churchill defeated Nazism. You know, because that's that's what that kind of movie is going to tell us in the same way that there's a musical out right now that I love, but can easily allow you to think that Alexander Hamilton is the founder of everything good in America in America. You know, I mean, it's just the entertainment that we get, Um, I, I think, really kind of helps play play into that. I'm really glad you're lifting that up. Um, and, and so let's let's look at an alternative. I mean, to me, uh, Rogue One, one of the reasons why I love that movie so much is I feel like it unlike most of the Star Wars movies allows us to see a little more about who else is, what else is happening in this universe besides the like, you know, top billing people. Um, So what's your, what's your take on rogue one as sort of an alternative to the hero's journey?
1: So I, I love rogue one um, for, for a lot of reasons. Um, It does. I mentioned earlier ensemble and that's sort of where that comes in. Um, It is still a pretty limited ensemble. It's a group of six, um, to include the robot um, <laughs> it's so so it's a group of six instead of a singular person and a couple sidekicks which is still a pretty narrow scope um, but it is different than having a person and a couple sidekicks or a person and a sidekick and a love interest um, so so I, I appreciate the expansion I appreciate that um, I that it was more representative or more inclusive than any previous or the except for maybe the Force Awakens than previous Star Wars movies and it's still um it's still not perfect and i think one thing that i do <laughs> it's it's a little bit of a tangent um but that it, it's probably worth noting that it's really hard to take an existing ip that centers around white people and then say oh we need to expand that but we still have to deal with this core so how do you decenter what's at the core and right. I know a lot of people were kind of uncomfortable with Rogue One because, spoiler, they all die at the end. Yeah. So, you know, a a number of people of color specifically dying in service to Luke's heroism down the line.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, one it, thing I, I love about the show, about the movie, is that it does talk about, like, those people who don't get the, you know, history isn't going to remember what the people of Rogue One do. They're going to remember what Luke does with the plans. But, but you're right, there's something really problematic when you're saying, okay, so now that's when we're going to put into the story more stronger women and black people and people of color um, or, 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 you know, other things like that.
1: And please remind me to look up where I was reading about that beforehand, because that was not an original thought, and I certainly don't want to <laughs> taking credit for, for other people's like having helped me figure that out. But I think that that's actually, it's a problem that a lot of um, expanded universes and reboots run into is like, well, nobody was thinking about this when we got started, so there are a lot of white guys in it, and yeah. now we have other people, but it's really but those are still the characters at the core, so what do we do? Um, and so it's not a compromise that everyone is comfortable with by saying this movie is going to be mostly about people of color, but they're still in service of a white hero. Mm-hmm. Um, and I totally understand that, which is why I wanted to to note it, but I think that it is also important that there are now two Star Wars movies with lead characters who are not white. Yeah. Um,
0: and, and, and also two very strong non-male characters yeah. as leads um, in these movies.
1: And yeah, that was like Ray hit my, my id perfectly. And with everything that I have wanted since I saw star Wars when I was five, like, mm-hmm. but I think that Jin, um was a character who did that for a lot of other women, because it turns out women have different personalities. Wait, wait, and what? Different things. I know, I know, I know not to blow your mind. Um, I but it turns out you can have different kinds of female characters.
0: Yeah. And and I think that is such an important thing because it, you know, I, I feel like one of the first steps away from everything being all white men was towards tokenism, which, which seems at first as it's a great thing, but in a lot of ways as you're lifting up becomes even more problematic when these universes are able to say like, Oh, well no, we had the woman character. We had the black character. We had the gay character. And so that community is spoken for. Um, one of the other things that um and i've talked about this before
1: with with token characters not to interrupt you but with the i mean the inherent issue with tokenism is that it's not a story about those characters they are in service to the protagonist absolutely a token black character is not necessarily going to be a step forward just because there is a black character um i don't feel qualified to say whether or not bad representation is better than no representation like i am a, a very i'm so white i'm almost translucent mm-hmm. um so that's certainly not something where i feel qualified to state one way or the other but i do think that like just having people of color or just having a woman is not necessarily fixing
0: the problem yeah absolutely well and, and so so going deeper with that on, on i want to hear more also about uh uh ray but but specifically with rogue one for you, what is the power of a story about the people who aren't getting remembered? Um, you know, the, the the people who are sort of... Like, I, I think no matter what else we think about Jin, uh, or any of the characters in Rogue One, that we know the history and we know that these characters are not... You know, when C-3PO tells the story to the Ewoks, he's not talking about Jin. Um what, exactly. what to you is the value of um, having a story about those people who are sort of, you know... Um, You know, take a quote out of my own own, own academic background, the underside of history.
1: Um, I I think there is a lot of value in it because I think it is sort of um, pushing back against that great man theory that doesn't look at the context that those characters come from. So in Star Wars, we can say Luke is the chosen one, but we can now say Luke is the chosen one. But what would like how would they have defeated the Death Star if it weren't for all of these non-chosen
0: people? Right.
1: Um. And I I think, like, a lot um, of—I know a lot of people watching Rogue One found Bodhi particularly powerful because he was a character who was caught up in the Empire and realized it was wrong and left it and was willing to give his life to try and um, bring the Empire down, and that that's really powerful for a lot of people. And I think you have other characters like Jin who had reached a point where she was like, I don't care anymore. Let the Empire be the Empire. Just leave me alone. Um, realizing that actually that's not the way forward or what she wants to do and that she wants to also help bring the Empire down. And I think yeah. that looking at them as um, ordinary people instead of extraordinary people, but then realizing that ordinary people coming together and just trying to do something can be extraordinary.
0: That's such an important point because to me that's like, a- a- as you were saying, um, you know— it. To me, one of the worst parts about the great man of history idea is that unless you have quite a strong ego, it's hard to believe you're going to be a great man of history, Um, especially if you're not a man, even more so. But 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 I I feel like I I I watched Star Wars as a kid thinking Luke Skywalker or Han Solo were people I could be in my dreams. I, I watched Rogue One and I thought I could learn something from this in terms of how to fight Trump. You know, like, it it felt so much more relatable because those characters weren't the high-level hero in that way. Um, um, In in particular, I think, for me, one of the ones that most guides me in that, and and one of the scenes, I think, from Rogue One that really struck me is, very early in the movie, again, spoilers, um, when Cassian kills someone. You know, here's someone presented as kind of the Han Solo-type character. He's sort of supposed to be a hero. This isn't him shooting a bounty hunter. He just flat-out kills someone who is his ally... Because it's going to slow him down. Um, I, I love that scene because it, it, I mean it is so ethically problematic. But, but it also kind of, to me, it, it really highlights the idea of these are the good guys and they're not perfect. They're not doing everything perfectly. This isn't a world of like a clear moral black and white. Um, I hate those terms, but a, a, a clearly defined sort of moral binary.
1: Yeah, um, I... Sorry, I, I should
0: have had a question there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I I, definitely agree that that is a, a complex and interesting ethical question that the movie raises. Like, I still, and it's in large part, I'm sure, because I grew up on Star Wars and the hero's journey, I still prefer my heroes straight up heroic.
0: Mm, that's um, fair.
1: So it, it certainly wasn't like an, oh, I don't like this character anymore moment, but that's it's not necessarily something I would have done, but I do think it's something that the movie needed yeah. um, to present that these are characters who are complicated and trying to do the right thing and not always succeeding in that and not always succeeding in, or maybe they get the, you know, the right, like the right ends, but the question of the means and what basically by saying it is a lot more complicated than just good versus evil and good people can only do good things. Um, and I think that the movie needed that. So I, I certainly don't disagree with that as a storytelling choice. And I like Cassian a lot as a character. Um, (laughs) But that's the sort of thing where I'm always like, but well, good guys don't kill people. You're not
0: supposed <laughs> to kill less yeah. bad." No, and I and I hear that, and I I think this is a a, a good tension. And I, I'm wondering, yeah, and this is something I hadn't thought of before, but I'm just kinda of spitballing as we talk, is there an element to I, I think part of is there an element to which in the hero's journey, the hero somewhat has to be on a pedestal? And like, yes, he he has to have some sort of epic flaw, but but it does seem like I get I guess because what I'm saying is for me, part of what I liked about that scene is that uh in the hero's journey, it so often seems like the hero still has a level of perfection um that that i that i that that we couldn't reach Does that make sense or is that still like not quite fair um,
1: I, I, think, I think so so I think what you end up having is you have categories then like hero and anti hero yeah um, and a hero is never gonna kill someone, but an anti hero can right, but your anti hero is still gonna have you sort of, have a line that they don't cross which for superhero media is like often the batman i don't kill people like i will throw them down the stairs and hope for the best (laughs) um well i guess batman does lots of that you see that on daredevil you see that on arrow like don't kill is definitely in quotation marks there um and then you sort of have i think a lot of storytellers have like well i have to go darker so i guess they will kill but what's the line um and so you sort of have that line of what is and isn't acceptable ethical behavior for a hero or for an anti specifically being redrawn. Right. But I feel like there is pretty much always a line. And so if your chosen one is an antihero type or if your protagonist is an antihero type, it's really more a question of where does the line of what is and isn't acceptable behavior for them get drawn as opposed to they can do bad things.
0: Right. No, and I, I think that's a really good, good way of looking at it. Um, and kinda of take oh, Cassian
1: falls into that as well, into a, he I, I don't think he's exactly an antihero, um, partially because it's not his story. Mm-hmm. He is a huge part of it, but it is a shared story, and if you have to pick a singular protagonist from it, it's probably Jin. Right. Um But I, I do think that his well I I can kill someone, but only in service to trying to save myself so that I can deliver this information, et cetera, et cetera, would be different than if you had just randomly killed someone.
0: Right. Well, and, and I like what you're saying there about how it, 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 it's his story is not in service to her story, that, that they're, his story is its own thing. And, and so I guess kind of tying it back to where we, we were at the beginning so to you, does Rogue One reflect more of that kind of community storytelling that we were talking about as like an alternative to the individualism of the hero's journey?
1: Yes, but I do think Cassian's story is in service to Jin's story. Oh, I'm
0: sorry. Okay, I misheard that. So <laughs> s- say more <laughs> no, about I, that. I
1: think, I think it is less so than if Jin had been a chosen one style of protagonist, but I think he, they have a really interesting exchange. Um, I haven't seen the movie in a few months, so I can't remember it exactly, but where um, he basically He's saying, you know, I've lost things too. I've been in this since I was 10. Like, And it's a a wake-up moment for her about, like, she's been sort of ignoring the ramifications of the Empire on Mm. everyone and just trying to survive, which is an understandable thing. But that's sort of a moment where she goes, oh, I need to pay attention because of people like Cassian when he was a kid. Right. Uh Um, And so I think that because of that moment specifically, that puts his story more in service to hers. Mm-hmm. Um and I because there's also there's not really a reverse moment of that, yeah um so so that's why I think that just from a pure storytelling perspective, um but that was not really the point, and I don't remember what the actual question
0: was. well well no actually i I'm really glad you made that point because I think that's a really important one because as we think about like what 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 are other models of storytelling we can see i mean i i I do think that like you know people get inspired by hearing about other people's stories,' like that is a thing that happens, and it's a, you know I, I don't necessarily see that as a bad storytelling idea, but, but I think what you said about, like, the the need for there to be, or I, 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 you didn't say this, but I think it was kind of implied, like, wh- what what is the alternative to one person's dramatic moment is only in service to someone else's? Is it a story where they both get to have dramatic moments that are sort of educating each other? Like, what... Because I do think, I mean, like, you know, in my own life, people have told me things from their own lives that have inspired me, and, and I hope I've done the same to them. Like, that, that is a thing that happens. How, how do we have that happen in stories like Star Wars without it being the other characters are only in service to the main character?
1: I don't know that I have an answer for that. Um, <laughs> you, you can't fix storytelling for us? <laughs> Yeah, well, because, I mean, that's the thing is when, with storytelling, you, you want it to be clear and logical and have a progression, which, again, is why the hero's journey is so powerful. Right. Um, and so it's much easier to say, Jin starts off not caring, and then she is awoken, and it's, again, a very hero's journey thing to have that awakening moment, but, like, she's awoken to the fact that that's not sustainable, um, She sees the ramifications of what the Empire is doing. She realizes that it's going to get worse, and so she decides that she is going to step in and try and stop it. And so she has, I think, a fairly typical hero's journey, but she's not the sole focus of the movie. Um, Mm. And so I think that as much as I would say, like from a pure narrative storytelling purpose, um, Cassian is like his story because he has less of an arc, is somewhat in service to Jin's, but he is, you get the feeling he would exist even if Jin wasn't there. He would be fighting the Empire even if Jin wasn't there. Right. Um, whereas, if you look at, um, for example, Luke and Han, if you look at Luke as the hero and Han is more of an anti-hero type, then you have a hero who's going to be hero- heroic no matter what, and then you have Han, who's really, who's not. Yeah. Um, and so, his entire arc is, happens because of his interaction with Luke. So I do think that that is a little bit different and that Cassian as a character is a step toward that. I also think, for example, you have, I mentioned Bodhi earlier, Bodhi has nothing to do with Jin's. Like it's, mm. he, her father and that, and her father was sort of the inspiration for his break away from the empire. And so he goes to find her, but it's not because of her as the protagonist. Right. Um, which like I, I certainly know people who look at that as a structural flaw in the story, um, but I, I think that it lets Bodhi also exist in his own story. And you could easily have a movie that's about him. You could easily have a movie that's about Cassian. You could. I desperately wish there was a movie about um, Bay and Jiren. Like, yes, I, I want to know where they were. But like, I don't <laughs> want the Han backstory, whatever movie. I, I want to know what those two were doing in Jeddah before the Empire was there.
0: Hi. Um. I'm so on board with that, if for nothing else. That, like, you know, when I was a kid, of course I wanted to be a Jedi. You know, what, what six year old watches those movies? Or I'm sure some do, but like, as a six year old, I watched those movies. I wanted to be a Jedi. I grew up and I wondered, like, okay, what What are the Jedi followers like? You know, what is, who are the, the, the lay people of the Jedi religion? You know, and to me, that's those characters highlighting that of showing people who are force sensitive and force aware, but not necessarily the great Jedi. I I loved that, and I want more stories like that. Um, This is kind of a tangent, but have you seen um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., or do you know much about it?
1: No.
0: It's it's, it's a show that I I like a lot of. It definitely has some problems. One of the things that I loved so much about it originally is it had the potential to be this same kind of story. It was supposed to be, okay, well, Captain America and, and Thor and Iron Man are off doing their thing, Who's doing the grunt work in the MCU? You know, who's doing the day-to-day work that sustains this whole movement? Um, it it quickly got away from that and became just one more set of superheroes. Um, but I I really was interested in a story that was about you know the 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 uh, I, I don't know a better term than this, although I know this term is pro- problematic in all sorts of ways. But kind of the blue-collar workers of the MCU, you know. Um, and I and I, I loved that, and I I think it's I would love to see more stories like that in the Star Wars universe.
1: Um, I actually, I think uh, Spider-Man Homecoming also played with that idea a little little bit and fairly effectively um, with the idea that Peter because he thinks what he wants is to go be a superhero, and what he realizes at the end is he wants to be the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, and, like, I, I live in New York, and it was in New
0: York <laughs> very
1: recognizable to me, but one of the things that really got me was um, when the deli is blown up, and he saves the guy who runs the deli, and he saves the cat. Yes. Um, saving the cat is also a very specific heroic trope, but, like, the whole theater in, in New York burst into applause, because we all have bodegas, and they all have cats, and we would all feel very much like, that's our guy. If he saves the cat,
0: I, I I grew up I grew up in New York City. I used to live there, and I have never missed New York more than watching that scene. Um, because <laughs> I, I I still remember like the exact sandwich the guy at my local bodega would make for me every day. You know, and so yeah, that scene had so much resonance in that way.
1: So 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 the idea that Peter just to to bring it back because I got off on a on an <laughs> New York tangent, which I always get off on. Um. But like the idea that Peter is very much of this particular neighborhood and he's still part of it and so when he's a superhero he is doing he like the the villains he's going after are not necessarily Hydra but it's the the weapons dealer in his neighborhood right uh, who is using alien technology but you know superhero movie um but I think that was a similar sort of attempt at looking at, at the world that a hero belongs to, but it is still 100% hero's journey.
0: To journey. be sure. To be sure. Yeah, I, I think there's yeah, the, with the hero's journey stuff, we're kind of touching on two different things, one of which is, like, the idea of it being the individual versus the community, and also the idea of it being, like, the one great man in history versus, like, the hero of a neighborhood, you know? And I think those are, are two threads of this conversation that are mixed, but are but are kind of separate
1: yeah well, I mean, and I think that maybe the the neighborhood thing is like you know who whose hero are you being like maybe it's a pure hero's journey, and you never leave your block, but you're that block's hero i well, I think one of the things that's really interesting about um the m c u as a whole is that you have the the giant scale of like Thor is a god from another dimension, right. and then you have the here's Luke cage in Harlem mhm, and it's uh like it's a Harlem that I recognize um it's certainly like. And like the di- the difference there between, and it's still it's a still a superhero story, um, and it's still very much a hero's journey. But the scale doesn't. I guess what this comes down to is that scale doesn't mean it's not a hero's journey. It means it's a hero in a, at a in a smaller cross section of the population. Um, but I do think that the MCU has done some really interesting things with looking at different ways and places that people can be
0: heroes To to be sure, and and I'll I'll pull it back to Star Wars, but just enjoying this tangent for one more moment, I think – I don't know if you saw the panel that happened um, also at Wiscon on – it was specifically on the women of Luke Cage. Um, But but one of the points that a couple of the women on that panel made really well was they were saying that, like, the the show Luke Cage is a story about Luke Cage – but it also does so much to say, you know, the story of Luke Cage happens against this background, and in this background, numerous other stories are happening simultaneously to Luke's, and that intersect with Luke's, but are not about Luke's. And so it really managed to tell a number of different interlocking, interlocking overlapping stories in a way that I think we don't see very often.
1: Yeah, and I think I think that sort of um, ties back to the original point about row One, which is that you can single Jin out and say she's the protagonist of this movie and then there are other major ensemble players, but it feels like any member of that ensemble has their own story and their own drive. And so if Jin weren't there, they wouldn't necessarily be doing this exact thing, but they would still be working towards being heroes in their own right for different reasons.
0: To be sure. Well, and one thing that I'm thinking of as we talk about this, and, and again, uh, there's an off the cuff idea. Tell me if I'm totally wrong here, but there are obviously so many reasons why fans dislike the prequels, um, or at least uh, many fans I don't want to name where you are for them. Um, but I, as I'm thinking about it, I'm wondering if part of why those movies are so unsatisfying is like take a character like Obi wan Kenobi, you know a, a, an interesting character to be sure, but in the first movie he appears in and where he dies, his own he he is a plot device for Luke Skywalker, and the prequels are trying to sketch him out as a more fully developed character. And I'm wondering if this is another, pro- like, what we're seeing there is that kind of the problem with, um, is that we're trying to basically take someone who started as a prop on the hero's journey and now turn them into a fully-fledged character. Um, there's obviously a lot of other prop, but is, is that always going to be an integral part of, like, trying to sort of fill in the details of something that started as a hero's journey?
1: I don't think so. Um mm-hmm. I think that there is a lot of room to take something that starts as a trope or archetype and flesh it out and make it its own thing. I don't remember the prequels that well. Um, I actually I rewatched um, The Phantom Menace a couple months ago for the first time since it was in the theater. Uh-huh. And I'm proud to say that I retain literally no memory <laughs> of it. Um, it was gone from my brain again immediately.
0: Your brain's a better um, place for it.
1: and I haven't seen um, the second or third prequel since they were in the theater either. Okay. Um, So I'm not not hugely up on my Star Wars prequel uh, knowledge, but my impression, from what little bits and pieces I grasp at, uh, is that it wasn't Obi-Wan who was um, the problem with the prequels, and I think that maybe if Obi-Wan had been the central protagonist, they would have been stronger stories. It was Anakin who was the problem, because we know so specifically... Where he ends up at the end, yeah, and so be theoretically interesting to see him get there, but actually, and it ended up sort of um kneecapping the story a little. Like Padme didn't get to be a fully realized character because she had to stay in service to Anakin's arc to the point of kind of dying for no reason, yeah. um And so I think you know, and Obi Wan had like we we knew how that was going to play out. And I don't think that knowing how something is going to end is always a bad thing. We also knew how Rogue One was going to end. Right. Um, But I think that if you start... I don't think the problem was that Obi-Wan shouldn't have been fleshed out. I think that was fine. I think the problem was that only doing that and only um, creating Padme's arc and other bits and pieces of the prequel in service to Anakin when Anakin's arc didn't really work that well was what caused a lot of issues. I. Some of them. They're,
0: they're,
1: like, <laughs> that didn't cost Jar Jar Binks. Like, and I know Jar Jar is the easiest go-to punchline, but like, I
0: I don't want a Jar Jar Binks backstory. That's one character I'm really okay letting go of. No,
1: that that one's fine. We can we can leave him be. Um, and so I do like. I'm not interested in the Han Solo movie. I don't need that. I don't know that it's going to tell a story that I care about. I uh-huh. will give it a a try, but um. I, I do think that there is room to say, so here's what we know at the end, like how did we get here and have that work and have that actually do some of the fleshing out work that lends a sense of community and a sense to characters being characters in their own right instead of being in service to the hero. It's just a question of if it's done well or if it's done poorly. And in the prequels, it was done poorly. And in Rogue One, I think it was done pretty well.
0: That that, that makes a lot of sense. And I think I, I think that's definitely true. Um, and I know we don't have too much more time. So there's one or two more things that I want to make sure we touch on. Um, one phrase I know I've heard you talk about a couple times um, as kind of an alternative to the hero's journey is the heroine's journey. Um, so can t- talk to us more about that. What does that look like as an alternative and a different way of uh, doing storytelling?
1: Um, okay, so it's actually – the thing is, though, so I don't know anything about the heroine's journey that you cannot find from 20 Minutes on Google because that was um, how I ran into it a couple months ago and found s- out – about it. We,
0: we make um, we make no claims to expertise on this podcast. That's totally yeah. fine. So, so I, just,
1: I just want to disclaim like I'm not I'm not a great expert in that. Um, so the heroine's journey uh, was cre- was codified by uh, Maureen Murdoch, um, who was a psychotherapist who was dissatisfied with the way the hero's journey um, felt very male coded to her and does not really take into account anyone other than in most tellings the, the straight white guys. Um, so she was a psychotherapist who was talking with her patients who were primarily women um, and looking at in their lives what some of the common threads were. And so she, from that, put together um, the heroine's journey, which is sort of a counterpoint to the hero's journey, um, that I think, like, what I've read from her writing, it's very distinctly, like, about a female character um, who is starts off from a place of rejecting femininity as sort of the beginning of the narrative. And then as, as she embraces a more masculine identity in whatever form that takes, um, is successful to a point, And then eventually that collapses because it's still a woman in a patriarchal society. And there's only so much you can do, even if you are quote unquote, one of the boys. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has to, um, learn to embrace the femininity that she had deliberately left behind and synthesize both the feminine and masculine traits that she has acquired through her journey to then be able to, um, have a true success at the end. Um, so I, I thought, I think it's interesting to bring that up as counterpoint to the hero's journey because it is so specifically female. Um, but I think that those motifs actually don't need to be female. I think it's very much about, um, marginalization and growing up with a set of values for yourself or expectations placed on you that are not part of what the dominant culture is mm. and having to go through a journey of figuring out how to exist um, in the world as a woman or as a person of color or what, what have you. Um, and about sort of figuring out how to be at peace with that in a society that's still super sexist and super racist. Um, and so it's more of an internal journey, and it's about a value system as opposed to an external journey about stuff
0: happening. Right. So it seems like it's not about, like, being a hero to anyone else even as much as it is just about one's own journey. Um, is that an accurate kind of statement? Um, I, I, I'm probably newer to this even than you are. <laughs>
1: Kind of. I, th- I think because it's about the internal journey, that is true, but it can still be applied to an external journey, and sure. those stories have both. So you have the external hero's journey where the character has exciting things happen, and then they go wrong, and then they figure it out, and they blow stuff up, and then it's the end. But they also, hopefully, have a character arc where they are learning and growing and making sense of the world. If a story is done well, those things come together together. Um, right before the climax, and it's a character realizing, like, oh, because I now understand X and Y about myself, or I understand X and Y about the world, that tells me how I can succeed in the adventure plot line, and then they can go blow up the Death Star, or whatever. Right. Um, Is
0: there an example you can think of that's, that's sort of a good good um, illustration of, of what you're talking about?
1: Um. So, when I was reading through this, um, it's not... I think a lot of stories sort of do it inadvertently maybe or maybe it's intentional but it's not nearly as well known a thing so i doubt it um but the first thing that actually sprang to mind for me was the movie labyrinth which is Mm. actually not one of my favorites i kind of nothing it um but i know i have a lot of friends who are really (laughs) resonated for um but which struck me very much is that sort of story because it starts off being about a girl in her mid-teens who um has been told she has to take care of her infant uh, step-brother or half-brother. Um, and he literally, he's playing with a toy that's hers, and she wants it back. And that's such a clear, I don't want to be a mother, I want to be a kid. I reject femininity and right. want something else instead. Um, and then the brother gets kidnapped by David Bowie, the Goblin King, and she has to go through this journey where she makes friends and has you know high and low points and learns to to depend on people and she has, there's some sexuality mixed in with it as she's sort of coming of age and feels the ways about David Bowie that everyone kind of
0: feels about David
1: Bowie. Yep. Um, And then at the end, she's able to um, wrap her head around that and come to terms with it and defeat David Bowie and get her brother back and learn that she loves her brother and she's ready to give him her toys and she can go on and be a caretaker now, which is as I said I kind of nothing it so that may not be the most fair reading of it um, mm-hmm. but to me that's sort of what it struck me as she starts off rejecting what is a very feminine coded activity of caretaking she goes through this journey of growing up and then at the end she is ready to move on from being a child and embrace that caretaker role um, so that that struck me as sort of the heroine's journey um, but I think it really I, I think that it's it's a character arc more than a story arc so I think you yeah. know, you need both of those pieces to have an effective,
0: interesting story. Well, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I'll say I'm definitely uh, um, someone who absolutely adored Labyrinth um, ever since I was 10 years old and didn't really understand why I so loved watching David Bowie. Um, but, um, for yeah, like that, I
1: said, every, yeah. everyone goes through that, right? Absolutely. They they're like, I feel something.
0: I mean, there's a lot of people who watch Sharon reject him at the end of the movie and think, "What in the world are you doing?" <laughs> um, but but moving on from that, and, and some problematic parts of that to be sure. But like I I I think that's a really interesting illustration of it. Um, and and one of the things that I think it it gets me thinking about is maybe kind of an unspoken, but but I think a central part of at least my problem with hero's journey is, um, you know what you 're talking about is someone who has to wrestle with the fact that they don 't quite fit in some way you know that they are they are a woman or a person of color or someone else who, because of their sexuality or whatever it is like it has to wrestle with rejecting a part of their identity. A hero in a hero 's journey almost never has to do that because they almost always start as we talked about at the beginning as the straight white cis able bodied male you know like so much of those stories seems to resonate around the fact of this is a person who expects the world to be a certain way because they have the privilege to think that the world is the way it should be and and at least in a lot of heroes journeys it seems like a, a central part of that story is them you know starting off by saying I, I think the world should be different and so of course i am some you know my thoughts matter and so i'm going to try and make the world be the way i think it's supposed to be and and that, that in and of itself isn't a bad thing but that's an incredibly privileged thing to be able to do
1: Yeah, I I think that that actually speaks to it really well. Um, The difference between having, you can have character growth, but your story is primarily external and about you changing the world as opposed to you can have external things happening, but your story is primarily internal and coming to to peace with who you are.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of like, you know, some 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 of the like most most you know classic examples of like the hero's story, especially the ones that are tied into um you know the rugged individual, which is a trope that we haven't really gone into, but that I have so many problems with. But you know one of the strongest things is that their declaration of like I will not change, you know Captain America, I am the tree that won't be moved, kind of thing. Um, and, and there's some great value to like standing strong even when you're alone. But I also think it it, it, it it's important to sort of ask ourselves. What's happening when all of our stories are about people who are so confident in themselves that they don't feel a need to change except maybe to grow and get better you know like- and,
1: and and the other flip side with the heroine's journey is that it it's explicitly about coming to peace with who you are in this society, and that means it's not necessarily about changing the society and widening the values in it and making for example, white supremacy not acceptable anymore
0: yeah. It,
1: I I think like for me as a human being, it's important to find some peace with myself, but I want to use my comfort with myself to try and change the world and make that easier for other people, which may well be part of what happens for a lot of heroes and heroines. And you can have um, female heroes journeys. I I, I mean, that's what most female protagonists follow, And you can have male heroines journeys. um, But Like, the the language in which it was originally written was very, you know, female, male, feminine, masculine, and it is about coming to terms with who you are and embracing embracing what you know from both sides of that and coming to peace, which is lovely, but is different than saying, actually, the way I am is okay, so everyone else has to get used to it. It can be that, but... Yeah, I, I think that's worth noting as
0: well. Yeah, it's how do we find that tension between where does the world have to, where do I have to change to fit in the world and how does the world have to change to better accept me, you know, and, and how do we hold that intention? Um, and I, I, I think this will be quick because I I think we talked about it earlier, but just kind of naming it and what you're saying about the hero's journey can be female. Um, so to your mind, is Ray's is story in The Force Awakens a hero's journey?
1: Uh, I suspect it will be. I think whereas um, in A New Hope, you had that complete beginning to end, and then there were two sequels um, that extended that story, and um, Empire and Jedi, clearly, like, you have to watch both of them um, to, to have that complete story. I think The Force Awakens is not a complete story in and of itself. It's the first act in a larger story. Um, so I I suspect that it's going to be a hero's journey. Um, I i would be very surprised if it was not um and i I, again that's a value neutral statement i don't think that's a bad thing and in case it wasn't clear from my description of that ray panel earlier i love ray oh yeah i will fight anyone who doesn't (laughs) (laughs) um because like i she she was a character who i found so powerful um and so i really i want to watch her hero's journey yeah um and so, I, so, yeah, to be clear, like, I think that that is where that's going. I don't think that's a bad thing. What I hope is that Finn also gets a complete hero's journey arc. Right. Uh, and that it gets to be, like, I I want the two of them to put their faces together. Um, But I don't want it to be that his arc is entirely in service to hers, and I don't want it to be her arc entirely in service to his. I would like for them to be dual protagonists whose stories are going to intersect and enhance each other's um, that would be my
0: idea. Now I'm warning you I hope we're not going to get any hate mail from those who want Finn and Poe to get their faces together I, but I'm also down with that that I w- is so fine. It, I would love the polyamorous all three of them get together but I don't think we're quite there yet in the Star Wars universe Just keep pushing, Star Wars keeps
1: giving us <laughs> things we ask so who
0: knows? Uh and, and I, I will say I uh, I at least the last question I want to ask, but but I will I will just say quickly, we talked about it before, but that, that, that panel on um the Ray and I, I think it was actually it was it was specific wait, I think the name of it was like Ray is Mary Sue or like why uh, the
1: or, it, it was called I think Is Ray a Mary Sue? Yes, now let's all shut up and move on or something like that. Oh exactly. yes
0: and that's awesome. Yeah, and and, and I wanna just say explicitly, I think anybody um who's listening to this will really enjoy reading through the 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 the, the summary of it that I'm gonna post and anything else that people can find about that panel. But I wanna say especially to any male fans who are listening to this, um I was incredible because I, I enjoyed Force Awakens, but I didn't need Ray. You know, Ray didn't speak to me in the way you're talking about. And I don't think I really fully got that until I could read the stuff about that panel. Um, and every time now there's something similar, every time people talk about, like, the um, young girls going crazy about Wonder Woman or about Ghostbusters or things like that, I always think about that um, that 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 panel and that I didn't even get to see but that I've heard so much about. Um, and I would just say so to anyone who's still kind of, like, not quite sure why that kind of representation matters because you've always seen yourself in those heroes, definitely, definitely read what I'm going to post about um, – about that panel, because it, it, it to me, it got that message across so well. Um, So just want to uh, throw that up.
1: Yeah, and I, I would say it's also like one thing that I keep in mind um, with news like the announcement of having a female doctor uh, for uh-huh. Doctor Who, um, which I have only ever seen like one episode of. So when I say like I nothing that I mean, I literally like what who's a doctor? I don't know. Um, but. That was really important for a lot of people, but it's also for the people who it's important to, primarily white women, to think about how that feels for you and then think about how there are still people who don't get that feeling. Absolutely. Yeah, particularly women of color. Um, And, like, I know for me as a right, like, as a human being, but specifically as a writer, I want everyone to be able to feel what I felt when I saw Ray or when I saw Holtzman in Ghostbusters, be the... Weird mechanical genius who got her big hero moment with her awesome ghost weapons. Like, yes, that was such an over. Like, cause Ghostbusters was another franchise that I loved as a kid. Um, and like now they just need to give me a female Ninja turtle. And <laughs> my childhood will be
0: fixed. Um, I, I I'm with you. I mean, I'm 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 always trying to think about who is it that's not getting seen. I mean, you know, for my own selfish reasons. I'm still waiting for a superhero who has a disability, but their superpower doesn't allow them to overcome their disability. Um, they just are a person with a disability and a superpower. Um, you know, so I, I, I think every time we see something like that, it's important to think about, like, who does this matter for? Why does it, If it doesn't matter for me, who does it matter for? Or if it does matter for me, like, who else still needs that? You know, and that, I, I'm really glad you lifted it up.
1: And, and it doesn't mean that you can't be joyous or excited or yes. that it shouldn't mean a lot to you because – you, you can't really control whether or not it means a lot to you. Like, as I said, Ray and Holtzman both like were overwhelmingly important to me. Um, but it does mean that if you are a creative type or you're somebody who puts um, media analysis out there or who puts, you know, stories, comics or art or whatever it is, who, who makes things for others to look at to remember that feeling and sort of ask yourself, Is there a way for me to help other people feel this who maybe haven't gotten to yet? Um, Because, like, as I said, I just I just want everyone to be able to feel the joy that I felt. um, Yes. Very clear that not everyone does. And uh, that that to me means that there's still more work to do.
0: Well, and I'm so glad you said that, because I think that's a great kind of wrapping up point, because I, I'll say one of the things that I, I was really impressed by hearing you on some of those panels is, uh, w- when I hear people talk about like media criticism, like the way we critique these kind of stories, and I'm, sort of thinking, I'm in this business myself, uh, I don't get paid for it, but I'm in this work myself, um, is that it seems like people think you have to be in one of two camps. Either A, that you're saying, look, these are great movies, I just enjoy them, can you shut up about the the issues in them, I just want to enjoy them, or... Because we find things that are not perfect about these movies, uh, and in many ways very, very far from perfect, therefore we can't enjoy them. Um, and, and I really love that a couple of people at Wisconsin, especially I saw you doing this a couple times, the ability to say, "I love this movie; it's great." Now let's talk about the problems in it. Like that, w- that we can do both of those things at the same time. Those two don't have to contradict each other, and we can say, like, you know, Force Awakens and Rogue One are amazing for how they move us forward. And there's still a lot of work to be done. You know, Ghostbusters was great and also had a lot of racism issues. You know, like, how, yeah. how can we hold that tension of saying we don't have to either love something and uh, blindly or hate it entirely, that we can say these are great pieces of media or not so great pieces of media, and talking about them doesn't mean that they're terrible, you know, or that they're perfect.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think media criticism is important. And I know that it was reading a lot of criticism from women of color of... The Force Awakens and Rogue One, which don't really have women of color in them. Not at Uh, all. And uh, um, I'll link you to uh, Tanya DePass's article about Patty and Ghostbusters, um, but saying, like, "Mm, this didn't make me feel good. Like, I I think that, um, again, for privileged people, particularly for white people, you need to actively read criticism from people who are not white. um, And listen to what they say and try and train yourself to notice those things without them always being explicitly pointed out. And that's kind of where I am. And I don't always succeed at that. Um, But I think that it is, it is important and worth doing because I said, as as I said, I want everyone to have that moment where they feel like I felt when Ray got the lightsaber.
0: Yes. Yeah. No. and, and, And that makes sense because I got that movie when I was five years old. I got that moment when I was five years old, when Luke got it. And, and to me, Reading about, like, realizing wait, other folks don't haven't had that all their lives. Of course, they should have that. You know, that makes so much sense. Um, so, so this has been wonderful. Let me just ask, kind of as a as a, uh, a last thing, um, what are you hoping for, or what are you dreading in the upcoming super mo- superhero mo- uh, Star Wars movies? Sorry, <laughs> I got there in the end. Um, what what are you hoping for, uh, or or worried about in the, in the coming Star Wars movies in terms of this kind of stuff?
1: Um, I, ooh, in terms of this kind of stuff, um, I really, is the character name Rose or the actress name? Um, I think the character, uh, who they've mentioned that there is a woman of color who's going to be, um, part of the story in, uh, the next movie. Um, I hope that she is a significant part and that she's great, Uh um. I, my personal, just random Star Wars hope, I really want Rey to be a Skywalker. I know that that's a divisive camp. I know there are some people who who are really against that, but for me, thematically, um, Mm. having a generation of Skywalkers and maybe she finally fixes some of the stuff that was broken, um, that, that's just, I, I like that as a dramatic payoff.
0: Um. Where are you on the, is Rey possibly a Sith or going Sith?
1: Oh, God, no. That, that would be my do not want. Yeah. Um. I have no interest in a dark Ray. I have no interest in a. I, I do not want them to have any um, sexualized violence toward Ray. I don't mind violence in general. Of the look, she's in a fight scene type. Like mm-hmm. she's a she's a character who has a, a glowy light up sort. Like she, there should be fight scenes, and I want them to be intense and exciting. But I do not want them to be sexualized. Yes. Um, I have zero interest in her and Kylo Ren. Uh, a couple, I know that's a thing some people on the internet like. I, I personally, as I said, I want her to be a Skywalker, so I'm assuming they're cousins, <laughs> um, and that's not my jam. But also, even if that's not the case, I still, I don't want it to necessarily be that her, you know, pure Jedi dumb redeems him. Um,
0: I yes. don't really
1: want. If he does get a redemption, then I hope it's a Vader style. He's redeemed as he dies. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't want the white boy who throws a temper tantrum to then end up being a secret hero. Just let him be a bad guy and let Rey be a hero and let Finn be a hero and let Poe be a hero. I don't need Kyra, Kylo Ren to be a hero.
0: Yeah. To, to, to me, the at this point, the only thing I can... A, a first of all, I'm with you on no Lannisters in space. Um, I don't <laughs> want any of that. Um, uh, Kylo Ren, honestly, just he he honestly bores the hell out of me as a character. The only way to me he's interesting as a character is in what we can through him learn about Leia and Han, um, yeah. and, and that like I I am on that camp of the like that Han is the one who like turned on the lightsaber so that Kylo didn't actually kill him. That Han was the one who killed himself. Um, but to me the I, I don't care about what that means for Kylo. I care about what that means about Han making that sacrifice. Um. Because yeah, I, I I am so interested in so many of these characters. Kylo Ren is just he just I don't want no emo, emo boy Sith Lord. That's not my thing. That's not <laughs> that's not what I'm signing up for. Um, well this has been awesome. Thank you so much. I'm sure we could go um much longer. And I definitely would love to have you uh, back on as a guest sometime. Um, but for now, for for folks who um want to know more about you and want to know um kind of how to find your stuff um talk uh, how how can people if they're like oh my god Becky's amazing I want to le- uh, read more of her stuff where can they find you.
1: Um, I am on Twitter at, um, it is at all reb, AllReb, A L L R E B. I am on Tumblr as Becky Text. Um, and you can find me and more about my books at uh, BeckyAllenBooks.com. Um, and as I said at the beginning, uh, my first book, Bound by Blood and Sand, is out now. Um, it is in very brief, uh, it's about a girl in a desert world who has grown up as a slave, um, who discovers the magic that can bring water back to her world. Uh, But because she grew up as a slave, she kind of doesn't want to because she's not interested in saving the people who enslaved her. Interesting. Um, And uh, the sequel, Freed by Flame and Storm, will be out on December 12th.
0: Well, I'm going to break my own rule and ask uh, one more question. Um, Do you think of your book as a hero's journey? And were were you conscious of the hero's journey motif as you were writing it?
1: Um, Yes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I definitely was, um, because I spent a lot of time sort of following, breaking it down into structure, and I think story structure and hero's journey uh, often mimic each other very closely. Um, uh-huh. which I would say Miss Jay, certainly, um, she you you she might be classified as an anti-hero. She is certainly, um, she has some darkness in her, and I think uh, she sort of falls on that Cassian end of the scale of she actually... I had a hard time writing her because I had to have her do some things that I personally wouldn't do, and I'm like, no, heroes <laughs> don't. <sighs> but I also think she was right to do them, so I was kind of. I, it was. It was in that sense a little bit difficult for me to write, um, but it, it sort of pushed myself, and I. I hope. I think if you read the book, you will probably be able to tell the moment that I mean. Um, awesome. Yeah, but but it, I think it turned out well, and. So I think
0: everyone should go read my book now. <laughs> Great. No, def- definitely they should. And and thank you again. Um, thank you so much for being a part of this. And to everyone who listened, thank you so much. Um, as always, um we we do this podcast because we want to give you ideas. Um I don't think I'm right. Becky, I'm sure you don't think that everything you think is is gospel truth either. Um, what do you guys think? Um <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> what what do you guys think? Um where were we right? Where do where do you disagree with us? Um, what's your take on the hero's journey? Um uh what's your take on on, on Luke's story or Ray's story? Um, um, uh, or fins, or pose, or 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 jays, or any of the rest of them. Um, you can tweet at us at superhero ethics. Um, you can also find us superhero ethics on Facebook. Um, if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, you can find us on iTunes or Stitcher at superhero ethics. Um, you can send emails to us at SuperheroEthics at gmail dot com. Um, and, and we'll definitely try and respond uh, as quick as we can. Um, let us know what you think. For me, uh, the whole point of this is taking the great conversations that I got to have with people like Becky and others uh, at places like WisCon and expanding it. So um, if if you're having more thoughts about this, uh, definitely let us know. Thanks again for listening and look forward to talking to you next time. Bye-bye.